All right. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to Chopping It Up with P. Scott. I'm Prescott Kelly. Today is Tuesday, August 15th. Glad to have you back with us. Very special guest, good friend of mine, Philip Thomas, in the booth with me today. We're going to talk uh, James Harden talking all kinds of crap about Daryl Morey. I think the Indianapolis Colts are in for a long season. Jets and Pats make some running back moves. Richard Sherman to Undisputed. And which contract is worse between Jalen Brown and Anthony Davis? That has some fan mail from my man, Brad Alexander. So without further ado, actually, before I do that, I got to do the selfish plug. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Make sure to like, share, subscribe, smash those five-star reviews so we can turn this thing into the evil empire that we're trying to build. Mr. Philip Thomas, as always, it's a pleasure to have you back in the building. How you doing today, sir? I'm doing awesome, my brother. I love that intro beat, man. I'm over here trying to go with a freestyle, bro. There's some, some lines real quick. I ain't going to do it right now, but man, I'm loving it. Head bobbing, ready to, to get into these topics. We're going to have to do that sometime. Though. That instrumental is from my dude, JJ. He used to, I think he's still in the hip hop game back when I was DJing 10, 12 years ago or so. I work with these guys named UTN for United the North. And um, I, he was gracious enough to, I, I mean, I bought his beats off him, but he gave me about four or five instrumentals and I've been plugging him when i can on this because he's, he's got some bangers on there for sure i was deaf man i'm loving it i'm feeling it glad to be back on it's been a minute since i've been out always a pleasure to share the mic with you man and i know you got a lot of knowledge a lot of topics we can get right to it bro all right sounds good so without further ado let's get into the first topic at hand so i think it was yesterday james harden decided that he wanted to come out and just completely backhand daryl morey and what i've been seeing a lot of is people say, you know, like, I can't believe that James Harden would do this to Daryl Morey. And I'm over here going, I think that James Harden has a legitimate gripe with Daryl Morey because from what I understand, it felt like there was very much an under-the-table kind of agreement with them where he took less money last year and that what they were what they were going to basically do is kind of secure him for a longer-term deal with more money but not going to be as much as that annual salary initially. And we, I don't understand why as fans we take management's side on these types of things when they completely stab other players in the back when they're the man. Like we are basically the employees in those in those types of scenarios. I feel like James Harden has a legitimate gripe, and he like he has a le- there's there's a reason for him to be upset about this. If that's indeed true, that's just my perspective on it. Though, what do you think? I'm a thousand percent with you in terms of having a personal gripe, right? I think you know, especially me working for a corporation myself, right? Um, you know, big, huge international bank, whatever the case may be. Um, business is business and people's words don't mean nothing. And it's just interesting watching the deterioration of this relationship, because in Houston, it was super buddy, buddy. Daryl Morey is this. Daryl Morey is that. And just tapping into your point that you made and how it was very, very clear he took less money last year. Right. To to be team friendly and all that. And I think in large part, it was due to the relationship they had i mean he basically forced his way over to philly right and out of houston to be with daryl morey with the expectation that daryl would then put it put together a better team you think about Embiid and everything else that team was better than what houston had minus the chris Paul injuries whole another topic right but right. at the end of the day i don't know why james really thought he could trust any nba general manager daryl morey or anyone People are going to take care of their business first. As you know, they'll tell you to your face, we're not trading you. And you will get an alert from a friend or on TV. You've While been you're warming up. So, so why are you surprised? Like, You should have a gripe. You should express that. 
but it's just like like really bro like what'd you expect man and it's not as if we could look at his play and and further be on his side because his play was spotty and it's that typical chop that typical james harden spotty playoffness but in terms of principles you're a thousand percent right he does have a gripe and it is messed up if you're going on what happened with the other table conversations but if those aren't in writing you don't have an email you don't have text that you can blast them like mariah mills was doing Zion williamson then you know what do you have this frustration yeah and it was i've, I've seen a lot of people on social media over the last couple of days that have been saying you know well what they're basically doing for me personally the way that i'm interpreting it is that you're taking houston james harden and you're trying to correlate that with Philadelphia James Harden. And because, well, he was scoring 35 and nine when he was in Houston, but not in Philadelphia. Yeah, they changed the rules and, you know, he, he wasn't getting to the line 12 times a night type of stuff, but he almost kind of turned into like your traditional point guard when he was in Philadelphia. So like, yeah, he was, but he, he was still averaging like 20 and 10. So it's not like he was, he was a slump by any stretch of the imagination, but it did feel that what people are going off is, is what their, their preconceived notion or not preconceived because we got to see that play out in Houston, but they're going off of the recency bias of where you're averaging 10 less points here than you were in Houston. But they also had a, like you said, they had an absolutely just dog roster and D'Antoni did what he had to do to win with that group. So I, I'm just saying like, when it comes to him calling out Daryl Morey, they, like you said, man, they were homies. Like they were tight. That's the whole reason why he wanted to go to Philly was to to be with Daryl Moore because those guys were tight. But like you said, it's a business and they're going to, the Sixers are going to operate with, with or without James Harden. And he knows that, but it's when you think that you have that trust in somebody, which you can't at that level, you, like you can't trust anybody, but when you feel like you have that trust with somebody and then you defy that trust, James Harden going out on social media and just saying Daryl Moore is a flat out liar. I was like, yo, that's wild. You never see that. That was, that was completely off the cuff i wasn't expecting that at all and i love you know and i appreciate that he did it right because i think now more than ever is a time where all of us can be just more honest about things surely there'll be the penalty but the penalty for being honest in the past hurt a lot more than it does now and i do follow your point in regards to not only did he take less money but he changed his game to fit what the team needed to your point he became that point guard and, and did pretty good with passing the ball, right? And we knew he could do that from Houston, but he didn't put up 30 because he had him beat all, all the time, right? Right. He had, he had somebody else who was capable of finally scoring more than him. And and I think the issue with Harden in the playoffs is, again, the turnovers in the Brick City, right? For every one or two playoff games where he'll do well, he have some that just make you say you can't have that. And I think that's where some of this comes in. Not that he's a year younger, not that he's getting any better athletically. And so... I get the business side, but to your point, it's just that relationship that was there and the things that James Harden has done on the court in addition to that relationship is what allowed him to go off and say what he said. And it's important that he did that because I hope and expect other athletes to do the same. These GMs and coaches and everything, snakes, bruh, call them out for what they are. And let's just talk about it. It's a business. And now I'm going to treat y'all like a business. Forget this friendly stuff. You know, it's, yeah. we could go on a different tangent about friendlies and all of that. But if we're just talking about Harden and Maury, I'm with you. I'm glad he said what he said. It's just that other side of me says, you really shouldn't be surprised, sir. Like, this is what it is. That's exactly. And that's kind of thing is like, I see it from both sides. I understand why Maury is like, I'm not going to pay you 
30, $35 million a year because you are past your prime. Like I understand it from the business aspect as well. I'm just saying, like you said, it's, I can see it from both angles, but I'm just not mad at James Harden whatsoever for the way that this, this entire thing unfolded, you know? Uh, I'm with you a thousand percent, man. It, it, it makes a lot of sense. It's good TV, you know, uh, it's good talking, it's talking, good. talking topics, right? Cause the NBA season is, um, is not, is not close to happening. And, just like the NFL, you know, I feel like the NBA is trying to do what they can to to stay in the presses. Just like how the NFL is a one year, never ending. We're always talking about what's happening in the NFL, right? And so I feel like the NBA will float their storylines to keep them in the presses to keep keep things going as well. Um, and speaking of the football, NBA is not, the NBA to me is more of a soap opera. Like it, they they have to do what they have to do to kind of they have to do what they have to do to stay in the circle because yeah, the NFL just runs this country as far as content is concerned. Exactly, exactly. But bringing up the NFL, I know you had a topic you wanted to get to um, in regards to the Colts. So sure. if you if you had anything on, on to finish up hard and you can put a pin on it, um, but we can definitely move over to what you want to talk about. Man, you are you are a pro's pro at this. That is how we transition on this show. The Indianapolis Colts have named Anthony Richardson their QB1. So I'm looking at this. The division to me is not very good, right? Houston, I think, is going to be better than what a lot of people think that they're going to be. Jacksonville seems to be the team that everyone's picking based off of the hype from last year. And Tennessee to me is still just Tennessee. Like they're, they're probably gonna be like a nine, 10 win team, but just fart out in the playoffs because they're the Titans. So when I look at Indianapolis, to me, it all hinges on whatever happens with Jonathan Taylor. I know that technically running backs don't matter. That's, that's always been the narrative, but if you don't have Jonathan Taylor, to me, that's like a three or four win team. I would, and I honestly, if I'm them, I would ship him anyways. That team's not going anywhere. You can ship Jonathan Taylor, get some picks back. Just go ahead and tank this season because Anthony Richardson is in for a long season. But for me, I would let him start all 17 games. Go ahead and suck because you're going to anyways. Get some capital back or try to trade him for a wide receiver because Lord knows you need one of those as well. I would trade Jonathan Taylor, try to get a wide receiver or get more picks and just go ahead and tank again and just get more weapons for Richardson down the line. So I think it's a calculated tank, whether they do it or not, inadvertently. But that's the route that I would go if I'm Indianapolis. I hear you on that. And, you know, for being a person, and you and I, you know, similar in age, running backs were our thing, right? And and we still like seeing running backs do their thing today. Um, But it's been very clear across the league with different running backs from Jacobs and 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 Barkley and it took Cook forever, but now you know he got somewhere, which we'll talk about in a bit. Um, I would love to see Taylor stay and do his thing, but this kind of goes back to our last topic: is management versus player. We've seen numerous comments right about how Jim Irsay feels about trading about trading him, right? And it's it's kind of jarring, but it's Irsay, and Irsay has been a character forever, right? Uh, we've just kind of got along with who he is um, in it's terms of keeping Earthly at that point in time. Right. Boom. Like that's- and so to your point, I think we do agree that Taylor allows them to get a couple of more wins. It is Anthony Richardson's first year. Um, everyone likes his potential and his upside. Uh, but to tell me that Pittman and uh, who's the other one? We got Pittman and um, Pittman is the only one I even know of. I, I should, that's, I, that's, that's how limited their wide receiving group is. Like, I know it's Michael Pittman Jr. And I don't know anybody else on that roster, dog. 
I know they had Paris Campbell, but I don't know if they kept him. I think they brought him back, but I'd have to look that up. Um, but even then, he's not a go-to. Um, I don't know if they're still running the you know the double tight ends of Moali Cox, Cox and somebody else. But um, to your point, um, that team without Taylor is really, really different because that defense was really, really good, right? And so you just wonder, you know, is Darius Leonard back to me in 100% um, and everything else? Um, but to your point, I think it's going to be a tough also season. took a loss too because Stefan's he's not there anymore. He's in he's in Dallas now. So even that defense isn't going to be, I don't think, at least in my opinion, I don't think it's going to be as good as it was even last year. But you never really know. It's just like you can get similar. I don't want to say that you can get similar production than Jonathan Taylor from just anybody. I don't want to be, I don't want to be that dismissive of who he is as a person and as a as a football player. But you can get somewhat similar production and just not pay them. My my theory has always been you should take the running backs early and pay them up front. Like just don't pay them the second contract. But like we we have to stop this narrative, to me at least, stop the narrative of that you can't take a running back in the first round because that's when you should get them. Pay them up front, but don't pay them the second contract. Right, right. And to your point, now that he's ready for his second contract, um, what do you think his value is right now? with understanding how running backs are valued in the league, because you mentioned getting another receiver. Do you think he nets a wide receiver one? Does he net a fringe wide receiver one? Does he net a bona fide two with draft picks? If you're, if you're trading Taylor, you know, you run the Colts. Okay. You know, you're not going anywhere. You're a person of morals. You appreciate what he's done, but you know what your team's about to go through. And even though you'd love to have him along the ride, you don't think you are one season away. You think you are two or three seasons away. And with running backs, two or three seasons, you know, we could talk about Todd Gurley and such. So you being the good person you are, what value do you think you get for him right now? That's always the tough one is because because of the the theory and the topic of running backs don't matter. You're probably not going to get much as far as another player is concerned, but it always depends on depends on where he's going. Right. Um I'd imagine if you're going player for player, it would probably be a number two or maybe a great number three. So like, I know this doesn't really count because Cincinnati has got a stacked wide receiving core and Joe Mixon, but let's just say like Joe Mixon wasn't there. That's a squad where, okay, well maybe we'll send you like Tyler Boyd, you know, and the number three wide receiver to get a running back of that caliber. But that isn't the, that isn't the world that Cincinnati lives in, but that's kind of one of those teams. Like if you've got three really good wide receivers, um, it depends the chargers, we have no idea what's going to go on with Eckler. Like there's, there's a lot of things that are, there's some moving parts to it, but as far as compensation is concerned, I would imagine if you're going just player for player, it would have to be someone like a third wide receiver of a, a high caliber, number three on a stacked roster or a good number two. Um, but, but even still, you know, you, you, you probably fetch a, a third rounder for him, which is, which is ridiculous to me personally, but that's kind of where the market has landed. You might get a third rounder for, uh, for Jonathan Taylor, I would imagine some, some, something like that. I'm with you. And so just going with the idea of where to send them, I've always been a proponent of if you're trading one of your marquee players, I always want to trade to the other conference. So I'm looking at NFC team. I'm right? going to, yeah, you just, you just ship right. them to the NFC and just right. be with him. And although Seattle sounds like they're going to be just fine with Kenneth Walker, right? Well, they drafted um, a running back too this year, didn't they? And they drafted, see what I'm saying? So in my head, I thought Lockett and some picks in Seattle, and that would work. But if, Ooh, they're, like if, if, but if they're already set, then there's not much of a need. 
Plus, they're going to have to put that money in to keep Taylor beyond this season. So you don't want to give up a, a really good team guy and lock it um, and too much capital for a guy you may not want to pay a whole lot of money to. Um, but on the other side Tampa of it, it would be a nice spot for him, too. Tampa would be great. Tampa would be great. Um, the quarterback situation is obviously not uh, what you would like it to be. But the other skill position guys, the defense, I think that'd be a, a nice landing spot for him, especially I'm, who do you think? All right. We're going off a little bit of a tangent here, but do you see Baker being QB one in Tampa? He'll get a shot depending on how bad Kyle Trask is. They've loved Kyle Trask for ever since they drafted him. Uh, they right. just had this guy named Tom Brady there who, you know, didn't allow. Uh, Never Trask. heard of him. Yeah. That random guy. <laughs> but, um, you know, apparently Trask is, you know, they're neck and neck right now. Um, and I and I don't think they'll be I don't think they'd have any problem giving Trask the start. Um, but if he messes up, they're going to go to Baker. And I think it'll be just back this back and forth thing until somebody wins two games in a row. Um, but I do love the idea of Taylor on the Bucks, and not from a Bucks fan, because that's what I am. Right. But you've got a, a, a younger, you know, middle aged, you know, still talented Godwin. You've got Mike Evans, who's still amazing. I'm um, not saying he's on the decline, but who knows if he's going to do this another six or seven years. But then you've got right. that really good running back, right? Their defense, if they can get back to close to what they were, you know, Levante David has kind of admitted he had some ego going on with his trade request. Levante David, ugh, year or two or not, but they seem to have drafted a, a running back that they really like. I think it's uh, Servassier, uh Collins or something like that, and he's been doing really well as a new inside linebacker. Uh, I know, right? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I love the idea of, of putting him on there. Um, and running back is, you know, to me, that's you know, they got Rashad White, who I think is more of a number two than a number one. And so that would fill in great uh, because, you know, then you have a team that can be built on defense, get it some good receivers, let them run well. That offensive line had Tristan, Tristan Worse move over. Um, so that's going to be big. I think Taylor could thrive um, and the team could. Uh, but again, it's just going to be what's that compensation going to be? And the Bucks money situation, I can tell you, their money situation was real tight. Um, so it would be tough to figure out how much they're going to pay him. But I do like the idea. All right. Well, so sticking with the running back situation, we'll go ahead and move on to the the New York Jets and the New England Patriots signing Ezekiel Elliott and Dalvin Cook. So of these two, I've been pretty pretty strident in over the past couple of years and like new England still to me is like a playoff team. They're, they're always going to be competitive as long as they have Belichick uh, and that defense. Like to me, it's, it's, it's always going to be there. death taxes and new England being good. Um, but so signing Ezekiel Elliott to me is really good because one is going to give Stevenson some rest. It's the same thing with Dalvin cook with Brees hall coming off his injury. This feels like both these teams made, Similar moves because I know that all right. So New England signed Zeke for one year six mil, and the Jets signed Dalvin Cook for one year eight and a half essentially with seven of it guaranteed and a million and a half laced in in incentives. I I haven't been very high on the Jets just because the Jets are the Jets. Same thing with the Titans. Like I I have a really hard time believing in you until you've consecutively done it. But this seems like a strong move for them given the fact that Robert Sala just feels like that kind of run the ball grimy kind of dude. So with running two backs along with Rogers and Wilson, like I feel like I was, I wasn't that high on it and a running back shouldn't persuade me that much, but a dude like Dalvin cook 
I don't know, man. I think the Jets might actually still they might win that division now. I'm not super high on Buffalo either. That's a that's a tough ass division between all four of them. Um it is. Do you think that do you think that either one of those guys moves the needle more than the other or helps either franchise more than the other? I think that the Ezekiel Elliott move keeps the Patriots relevant. And I say relevant is more of a fighting chance because if we're ranking those teams in that division, I can't say the Patriots are at the top. I, I can't. Right. And, you know, they're still running Mac Jones, right? Apparently. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> if that be the case, it it lines up with what you said about Belichick. He's a defensive coach, you know, all that offense stuff, that man retired and left, right? So it's going to be his defense that keeps them relevant. And obviously, you know, having Elliott come in there and run is great. The big question will be is, you know, how downtrodden is Ezekiel Elliott? But very similar to how he was being used in Dallas these past couple of seasons with Pollard, you're not going to expect a ton from him but you will expect some good production. And one thing that Ezekiel Elliott has always been good at is coming out of the backfield. And I wouldn't say that that's Ramondre Stevenson's strong suit. So yeah, Zeke's going to get you those tough short yardage runs now, but he can still give you some good runs, but he does give you that pass option that I think the Patriots have historically kind of leaned on more than Stevenson would be. He can still be that. And you love what he does in pass protection too. He's a dog. And I think he fits that Patriot mantra. I think he's a grinder. Um, I think even, you know, un- under her times in the house, they admired, you know, they grind it. And so they're getting a good player for their culture. On the other side of that coin, when you talk about Cook to the Jets, I mean, man, they are putting together a roster, you know. And yeah. when you talk about Dalvin Cook, are we talking about fumble prone, injury prone Dalvin Cook? Or are we talking about the guy that we just saw be the guy we all thought he could be on a what we thought good team, <laughs> Minnesota Vikings? I mean, do we ever think or they're the, good? One of the biggest teams <laughs> in the NFL over the past decade, man. Right, right. Um, so, but I, but I do think if you got a healthy Brees Hall and a dedicated non-fumbling Dalvin Cook, I don't know how you skip a beat in the running game with that, right? then it becomes, all right, well, what's Aaron going to do, right? What's he going to do with Garrett Wilson? What's he going to do with their other receiver options? And in some ways, you know, at least historically, Rodgers has been has done well with receivers who don't have a name or young receivers, so to speak. You give him a seemingly ace like Wilson and two good running backs, I understand the hype. But to your point, we, we just have to see it. I mean, I know that year the the Eagles put together that dream team, right? And we just swore. It's young work. and Deshaun Jackson and LaShawn McCoy. And it was just name after name after name. Well, Michael Vick, I think, was the, the dude on that squad too. But so, you know, that's where I'm at with that is, is seeing what that's going to be. Um, I think the storylines when they play each other is going to be great, right? Because that, you know, can the Jets beat the Patriots? That's always that thing, right? Right. And you and you know Aaron's going to bring his his drive to that. You know how he talked about the Bears and I own you. You know, does yeah. he want to come to the Jets and turn it into an own you situation? But if we're just talking about the running backs and which impact is bigger, I think the more sizable thing is going to be what Cook brings to the Jets because Brees is coming off that injury. Who's to say he doesn't have a setback 
And if he does, Dalvin elevates to the top, right? Towards with Ezekiel Elliott, I'm expecting some injuries from him. Be going to be a solid player, locker room guy, but I can see him getting banged up. And then that puts Ramondre right back to the top of more, more need from him. So answering your question flat out, I'm going with Cook makes a makes a bigger difference uh, for the Jets. I think so too. Um, the thing also for me with Zeke is that Zeke obviously brings like a, a certain sil- a skill set that Dramondre doesn't necessarily bring, and they're two completely different players. It feels like you know Dramondre can get you six, seven, eight grabs in a game. Not that Zeke can't catch the ball in the backfield, but he's more the short yardage guy. So with them, I feel like they're getting two completely different stylistic players. And they're going to use them more situationally. Whereas even though they're also the same players when it comes to cook and Brees hall, but I feel like their skill sets are a little bit more similar. So you're not going to really miss much of a beat. If you have to interchange them. Yes. You don't have to change your offense that much. Yes. You can run the same playbook and it's it, nothing's really going to change. So I'm with you. And it adds another with cook. It adds another layer of layer of depth. Cause if Brees hall does get injured again, I mean, they're both, they're both kind of injury prone is what that's the label on them at least. But Dalvin cook's been a, what he's been a, th- a, a pro bowl over the last three years. So, I mean, he's been relatively healthy over the last few years, which would lead you to believe that his entire campaign for 2023 would be the same. Mm-hmm. And if he is, and you can split carries and give them both 10 to 12 a game, like that's, that's the recipe for success. And then, you know, Rogers can just do what he does with his magic. Well, and, and, and if you, and, and to your point, you know, you can definitely get them the carries. And, you know, he's Cook is younger. I believe Cook Dalvin Cook is, is younger than Ezekiel Elliott. So if he's playing yeah. on a one-year $8.6 million deal, one would think every single carry to him is going to matter because he wants another contract. Regardless yeah. of how many years it is, he's going to want another contract with some money. And so it just becomes, are you going to press or are you going to perform? And I think with Rodgers and another good back on the side, he should perform. Uh, you know, I'm going to take the positive spin with Dalvin Cook um, because there's something about leaving where you were, right, and, and having a new run. And I think there's a little more optimism in coming from Kirk Cousins to Aaron Rodgers right. versus coming from Dak Prescott to Mac Jones. I'm not saying anything <laughs> bad about Dak, but I'm for sure not taking Mac Jones over Dak Prescott, at least not right now. Yeah. But, I'm not if, but if we're looking at the excitement and the belief that every run you make is going to make a difference because your quarterback is going to get your back. If it doesn't go through Aaron Rodgers is more just, proven than Mac Jones. Right. Oh yeah. What so that's just in the mind of a running back. If I'm going to block for someone, I'm going to block for Aaron Rodgers a little bit more than I might block for Mac Jones. <laughs> and that's just me talking personally. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know that Aaron will make a play and step out and throw something and crazy for 60 yards and it lands right there. Mac Jones, man, here you go. He's going to do that. I I'm, got this guy and held him up way longer than a running back should. You still ain't throwing the ball? Then go get him. So, so <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll see. While he's out doing terrible ass gritties. Oh, let's oh Lord. Okay. We don't gotta get new into topic. That. New topic. <laughs> new topic. <laughs> so Richard Sherman is now going to be part of the undisputed cast with Skip Bayless. Uh there's been a lot of people who have been kind of rumored to to take that next seat, but now we finally know what's gonna happen. I don't know how to feel about this. I've gone back and forth because 
Richard Sherman to me is somebody like on the field. I know he was a great trash talker and was good for the microphone. I've seen him on Thursday night football. I don't want to listen to that dude. Like I want to be entertained and I just like analysts don't move the needle for me. I don't want to listen to them. So if I'm getting game Richard Sherman more than analyst Richard Sherman, I think that'll be at least entertaining. What I'm going to do is I'm going to watch the pilot episode because those two have had beef. I don't know. I don't know anybody on this planet that Skip Bayless hasn't had beef with, but I would watch the the pilot just to see how that transaction goes. I'm still not going to watch it because I didn't even watch it when Shannon Sharp was on and I love Shannon Sharp. So right. it's just the bait shows aren't my thing, but right. um, if I'm getting somewhere in between football, Richard Sherman and analyst, Richard Sherman, I think it has a chance to succeed, but I'm just not, it just doesn't wow anything for me. Are you, are you in undisputed? Do you watch that show? And like, yeah, what do you, yeah. what do you think about the signing of, of Sherman there? Yeah. I, I liked undisputed to a certain degree in terms of, I was always kind of interested how Shannon would take a topic because I know what skip is. I know what skip's going to say. I know what skip's going to talk about. You know, he's very notorious for leaning on the same arguments for the same topics for decades at this point. Um, and so with Shannon, you know, you, you expect an answer um, and, and and you usually get it. But every now and then it's like, oh, I didn't expect Shannon to say that. Uh, to your point, if we are getting Richard breaking down the games and explaining why certain things are happening, I think that's going to be good. But to me, we're talking Fox. OK. And what is Fox about? Shock value. OK. Yeah. Shock value, eyes and entertainment. If you look at anything on their regular television from when they had Empire on and all these other things, they want you to plug in for drama. And what do you get with Richard Sherman is hot button off the cuff. What are you talking about? Drama. Not to mention their relationship is built on drama. So you better believe the opening thing they're going to run is what their beef was. And the first thing is going to be, look how far we've come. Kumbaya, this, this, and that. But the reality is people are going to tune in in the beginning because they're waiting to see when are they going to beef? When are they going to go at it? And that's the entertainment part of television that makes it kind of hard for me to watch debate shows because I'm not going there to see who's going to fight. I'm going there to hear points of view from other sides and think about things from the other side that they're not saying. And maybe they can't say because they're on TV. So it'll be entertaining because he's going to get under his skin. There's just a way about Skip. He has a way of getting under your skin. And if anything, it's going to be a testament to Richard Sherman's character to focus on the work and not let Skip get to him. Right. Right. And that's where Fox wins. Because they're going to have those moments unless Richard comes in a different way. Um, so, had, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead. I've, I've had two different thoughts on this because I feel like these types of shows, like when you dumb it down to the lowest common denominator of just debate shows, you get lesser quality as far as like the actual product goes. But again, like they're just going for shock value. And I've also thought about this and I'm, I'm, I'm curious because it's Fox. And I know this this has already happened with with um, Skip and Stephen A on ESPN. So I don't want to restrict it to just Fox. I don't want to be that person. But it does feel like it's always him versus Skip. It's him versus Shannon. It's him versus Sherman now. And there's a there's a pattern there. Do you think that there is 
a reason for that? Because Skip to me feels like he wants to be part of the culture so bad. His oh. name is Drip Bayless. Like, come on now. It's, I'm just, it's so I don't know what to think because I don't want to be that person. But it's also like, man, like all your co-hosts are y'all are y'all trying to start oh. World War Five? I like, just start. I like, just skip World War Three and Four and go straight to five. Peace, God. Let's not front. Do you know that this country seems as if it will for forever be stuck on black versus white? It's something that is going to be drummed up until you and I are in wheelchairs. I mean, God forbid we ever end up in wheelchairs. I might have some spinners on mine, but I'm just saying, bro, like <laughs> there's no surprise that that's going to happen. When they were talking about potential replacements, there was LaShawn McCoy. Some reason they could have swore. I don't know why the so little Wayne was thing. In the Wayne, really, bro? Stop I it. I didn't think that really had much. Stop it. Just, I didn't think that that really had legs for it. But like, just because you did the intro doesn't mean that you're going to be a daily occurrence on the show. But the main point still sits. Every name that we heard was a black man, right? Yep. There, there wasn't a woman to discuss, to be put against him. There wasn't a man other than black to be put up. And again, Fox is going to play on those narratives. And it's it's a little unfortunate. But it's not really too surprising. Um, and, and that's why I'm hoping that Richard comes into this knowing that that's the game and trying his hardest not to play into it. Right. But on the reverse side, things happen that are so obvious that these conversations are going to come up. You're talking about Sherman from Compton. Right. And then Skip right. want to be black, but ain't black, but think he's in the culture but don't like to claim he's in the culture, but internally, you know, he think he with the culture, like it's gonna, they're gonna have those, those rough conversations. And I wasn't trying to jump to like that much of an extreme on it, but it's just like, it crossed my mind. And I, I, I feel like it'd be closed mind if it, if it didn't at least make some type of internalization with me. Like, Oh, there's, there's a trend with this. Like, is that, yeah. is it, is it by design or is yes. it just, is it just by accident, which it, it could be either, but I just don't, I don't want to be definitive guy and say, I know it, but it just feels like there's an undertone. Like there's, there's some other reasoning for it. Right. on undertone. You are a smart man. You're very perceptive. You know what it is. No doubt. They want to put a black man on stage with him because Fox gets to say, look at we're doing elevating yet another black man. When in reality, you're just stirring up drama and continuing and perpetuating that black white phenomenon that goes back and forth that <laughs> one day I really hope, we can find a way, and I don't say move past it because I'm the last person to say nothing ever happened. It's terrible, and terrible things are still happening. But it's just unfortunate that they have to play on that, right? They're right. saying they're boosting them, but we know what y'all doing. Y'all Fox, y'all entertaining. Y'all want to keep this black-white drama going. Um, so, again, I'm just hoping we get good content and less, you know, beef between each other of black and white and more understanding, even if opinions are different. But we'll see. We will see. And with that, moving on. All right. So one of my listeners, Brad Alexander, had sent me a message and was asking, or he was responding to one of the episodes, and he was he wanted to get my perspective on Jalen Brown, Anthony Davis, which contract is worse? <laughs> I'm looking at both of these, and you can be critical of both for me. Okay. So Jalen Brown's 26. And Anthony Davis is 30. And the, the the narrative behind Anthony Davis is that he can't stay healthy, that he's Mr. Glass. But I think since 2019, he's played more games than anybody, I believe. 
So when I'm looking at the way that we, like once you get a stigma, it is incredibly difficult to get off it, especially in the media. But like the people who don't really catch as much smoke is guys like Kawhi Leonard because he's quiet. He like nobody knows anything about that man. But when it comes to those two guys specifically, to get back on point, I still feel like Anthony Davis is the better contract because I think he's a better basketball player, like by miles. I, I'm not saying that Jalen Brown is not a good basketball player, but when he's done, when his contract is done, and I know that more contracts are going to happen, but if we're just looking at a vacuum right now, when that when that contract is over, he will be the highest paid player annually, and Damian Lillard will be like two dollars behind him. Like it's it's wild to me. Like, I understand that like the whole in his game is he can't go left. But if you've been in the league for five, six years and you still can't go left, when are you going to learn how to do it? And if that's the biggest hole in your game is just dribbling, that's a problem to me. So even though he's five years younger, just, yeah, you can get me buckets. I don't feel like I get a whole lot more from Jalen Brown than, than buckets, really. Whereas Anthony Davis, I get somebody who can get me buckets, great defender, um, elite shot blocker. So even though his annual salary is going to be 60 million plus as well, when this extension kicks in to me, Jalen Brown is the it's, it's an atrocious contract. And I, I don't understand the I get the point because you don't want to lose your guy. That's always, that's always the theory behind fans and behind ownership. We can't lose our guy, but Jason Tatum is up next to make more money than him. And I don't know how you can pay two dudes, $120 million a year and expect to be good. So I just I wouldn't have given Jalen Brown that money if he wanted to go someplace else. I would have let that man walk. Yeah, man. I think that Boston was in a tough spot because you want your core, right? You want your core. You want to build around your core, and you want to take another run at it. And in reality, Boston has been right there, man. I They've mean, been so good for the last they, number of years, and like I understand why they don't want to give up on the core because it's really tough to get as far as they have the last and, and be as consistent. So I understand why they want to try to keep the nucleus together, but it's just, I can get three other really good players for $20 million a year, or I'm going to pay Jalen Brown 60 uh, to me. I just, I don't, I don't. And in, in the angle I'll take with you, because I think you and I are on the same side about this um, moving away. So just last part on the whole core thing, this Boston team, has been at it since Kyrie, right? Now, now Marcus yeah. Smart is gone. But since Kyrie, this Boston team has been right there. I mean, a number of different times, you could say they have a legitimate shot at winning the title. And so I get why Boston wanted to keep Brown. But on the other side of that, I do not think that giving him this much money was the smartest idea. I mean, for a couple of reasons. Uh, you already mentioned, number one, they can get more players. And what I mean by that is Jason Tatum, he wants to be Kobe, right? Like that's his guy. And Kobe wanted all of the smoke, right? He wanted one more great player with him, right? But it seems to me as if this Tatum and Brown thing, for as close as they've been, they haven't won. They haven't won, right? They've been there, but they haven't won. So to me, you know, you tell Brown, this is the most we can give you because we need roster flexibility. We want you a part of this. We're really, really close. But we can't give you that because the reality is Tatum has been more of the MVP candidate, at least in the news, right, than Jalen right. Brown has, right? So 
to me, it, it would have made sense to give him a little less money or say, hey, look, man, you know, we'll get you somewhere else, but we got to build our roster. Um, and, and you can take comfort in that because you can say, OK, we got this close. Now we're going to switch it up because we still got our guy and Jason Tatum. I think at the end of the day, you always have to go to who is your guy and then who is your second guy. And so far, that really hasn't worked. And now if we're comparing Davis and Brown in terms of the contract and which one is worse, you kind of touched on everything in, in regards to what Anthony Davis brings you versus what Jalen Brown brings you. And we'll just sum it up this way. You put Anthony Davis on any team, and they're automatically a contender. Okay? That's a playoff team instantly. It is automatically a playoff team if you put Anthony Davis anywhere. As long as he's healthy and right. engaged, right? Because that's the other thing with him is health has supposedly been one thing, but then him being engaged and wanting it, right? And going for it and being aggressive, there's been some up and down with that. I put it to you this way. You put Anthony Davis on Charlotte, they're going to the playoffs. Right. You put Jalen Brown on Charlotte, and it's going to be him and, and 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 Ball doing what they do, but they're not going anywhere. Okay. Right. Davis is an MVP candidate. Davis could have won Defensive Player of the Year when they gave it to Giannis in the bubble. Right. I argue that they probably should have given it to Davis, but Davis impacts the game so much more than scoring. And I'm not calling Jalen Brown a slouch defender. Right. But he's not Anthony Davis. He's not getting rebounds like he is. And even when you talk about their three-point shooting, I would love to go and look at what the percentages are. I know Brown can hit him, but I'm, when AD is on. Like his, his, his attempts aren't anywhere near what Brown does. But I, I, feel, I feel like their percentages are pretty are pretty close. They're probably I think they're both in that high 30s. But it, at least, but at, least it, mid, at least mid. At least mid. I'll do the research and text you on the side. But um I just think that. AD brings so much more to you inside, outside, defense, impact on the game than what Brown does. So in terms of which contract is worse, flat out, I think it's Brown's. Um, that's an organizational decision. And then even more importantly, you look at a guy like Chris Paul, who's going to be making 60 plus million <laughs> at one season, and he's breaking down. God forbid anything happens with Jalen Brown health-wise, which we haven't seen to this point. But what if him and Tatum then start to butt heads and they don't want to be brothers anymore? They don't want to do this anymore. Russell and KD sure had a breakup, did they not? So why put yourself in that situation as an organization? You got to be able to adapt. You got to be able to make the tough changes. And it just seems like Boston is dug in and content with, we can make this work. And I don't know, man. I, I don't see it. I'm not even necessarily that ups. And my frustration isn't necessarily with Boston because this move was going to happen because it, once we circle back again to can't lose our guy, but every team does this with a guy that they drafted who has been to multiple all-stars, uh, multiple all-star games, excuse me. Um, when you have the type of team success, these mid-range guys, like there's only probably 10 to 12 people on the planet that should make that kind of money when it comes to basketball. Jalen Brown is not one of them though. But it's it it's the nature of the business, and you can't until something happens, and I don't know what that's gonna be. This is continuously going to happen, and it's wild because there's gonna be a day where Pablo Bancaro is the highest paid player on the planet. Isn't that insane to you? Like this is like we're it's it's a world that sports economics is so 
goofy when it comes to that. So, and as long as the salary caps keep going up, that's going to be the trend and it will, nothing will ever change. The only way that it's going to ever change is that if there's like a complete collapse where like we just, we can't, we can't expose as much money anymore. So we've got to reboot the entire thing, which I don't know if that will ever happen, but until something else happens and this is, this is, this is going to continue where mid-level players are going to be getting max money just because that's the way the business works right now. Yeah. And I think another thing to add into potentially why Boston did it is, you know, Jalen's been a good guy in the media. He hasn't been in trouble with the law. He's been good with coaching, even with their coaching switch. You know, he hasn't given them a, a reason to say, ah, we don't like this guy. We don't trust he this did, guy. We don't support this he guy. Did say, like, if they don't want me, I'll play someplace else. When So when you have that, I was, I was, I'll be the first one to admit it. Whenever I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I was 100% certain that Jalen Brown was not re-signing with Boston. Once he said that, I was like, yo, this, this cat is completely checked out. And I don't blame him for it, but money talks. And if someone's going to offer me $60 million a year for a place I'm not quite happy with, as opposed to $50 million, I'll be happy. I'll take that extra 10 mil a year. I hear you, man. I hear you. And I think, I think even in that comment, I think Boston kind of took it as it's a fair comment to make. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and business will allow us to do this for you. Right. It's opposite of the uh, the Maury situation with that we that we led, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. uh, he's not Maury's not uh, Harden is not Maury's dog anymore. You know what I mean? To whereas in Boston, um, you know, Jalen Brown is still their guy, and it, it's funny. It's funny to think that is Boston. You know, do they want to be the Spurs and draft their guys and just that's their team and they don't have to, you know, build through free agency and trades they can just get they can draft their guys and it just naturally works maybe that's what they're going for but Danny Ainge isn't there anymore so you know I I, I'm curious to see how it plays out but no this was um it's really good talk man and it was good to 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 realize that you and I are on the same line with a lot of these topics so it's gonna be really really great to see how it plays out I mean we still got more time to go to see what it's gonna be absolutely for sure yeah unfortunately I had to do scoot out my my first day of school for the kiddo I finally had five and a half hours to myself. I'm glad I got to spend almost an hour of it with you. So Philip Thomas, it's always a pleasure to have you on. You guys know the drill. You guys can reach us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music. Smash those five-star reviews. Tell your friends, hide your kids, hide your wives. As always, stay up, stay blessed. We'll catch you guys on the next one.